I guess the first thing we should discuss, uh, it's September 1st. It is September 1st. Yes. Uh, and spoiler, it's kind of a big day. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a fine day. It's a fine day, sir. No, I, I mean, it's, I, I, I'll be honest. I actually, th- I, I had completely forgot that, um, that it was, it, it was this week. I thought for whatever reason that August ended next week. Uh, so I know what you're, you're getting at and I appreciate it. It's the Kawabunga collection dropped last night and we really, we, we really need to, to, to dig into like how awesome is the Kawabunga collection. <laughs> it is super great and, uh, really fucking hard. Yeah, well, uh, I know. <laughs> it came, yeah, so it came out Tuesday. I was uh, driving home from work and stopped at GameStop. That's right. I went to GameStop unironically. Awesome. Um, Love it. Because it was close by. It was on my way. And uh, I needed the Cowabunga collection. Absolutely. Uh, the, I, the one thing that kind of disappoints me, but I'll get over it. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of doubles. Like there, there's there's yeah. kind of doubles of because you have an arcade version as well as a console right. version, the console. and then you'll have like the Nintendo version and also the Sega version. There are and differences between some of those though, like the the arcade version of the original the original Ninja Turtles arcade versus the Nintendo arcade. I mean, there are different levels in the Nintendo arcade version. Oh yeah, it's got yeah. added levels. It's, that game is a pain in the ass. My, I lost so many years of my childhood to that game. Yeah, well, the great thing now is you can save your quarters. Um, Yay! you can just um i was playing i was playing a turtle title that i didn't recognize from the title but very quickly realized oh it's turtles 2 arcade um just oh. a different version of it yeah um and it was it was hard it was hard because yeah. i have one move i have one yeah. move yeah um except if i hit the guy right just the right way while like using the directional arrow i'll flip him with my bow staff uh because i always main donnie that's that's my He's my go-to because he's got range. Well, and uh, I mean, it, it's funny the way even that he is played up in the first NES Nintendo or NES Ninja Turtles game. Somehow he is with the range still also like the most powerful weapon in the game. And so like he's completely unbalanced. He's totally broken in that game. Um, but I think that the other games did a good job of balancing him where he had the range, but wasn't like as strong as like Raph. Raph had a devastating close attack, but you had to really get in the foot clan's face. Yeah. Um, so I, like I was getting my ass kicked and I was on like level two. <laughs> I uh, I, I would have lost many a quarter if Indeed. this was the arcade. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yes. Uh, it's also a big deal because uh, you're you're older this week. I am older this week. Yeah. It, it yeah. is the turning of the year for me. Yes. I'm I'm sorry. My condolences. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's funny. No, I, um, I, I very legitimately forgot that it was my birthday this week until... Uh, I, like I started getting a lot of questions like, you know, what do you want? Well, how do you want to celebrate? And I'm like, ah, we can think about this later. And then I was like, oh shit, that's, it, it is like, it's Thursday. Um, so I, not to say that I think that the day is forgettable. It's just, I, my approach is one, not of necessary of celebration, but rather of reflection. And I like to think back on what have I accomplished in the last year? What have I done? That's new and different. And what am I looking forward to in the year ahead? So it'll be a good day for that. And I got to say, I am super stoked that we're doing the movie that we're doing today because this is one of my all-time favorite films and it feels like a birthday gift from the podcast so thank you very much sir uh for that you're welcome 
<laughs> happy to uh happy to agree to the choice of film uh yes. that you made <laughs> uh, today we are discussing well do you want to do the thing you want to do i will do yes uh uh-huh, yeah absolutely welcome to b-siders a podcast to discuss and deconstruct perfectly adequate films not good movies not bad movies just fine movies so fine in fact you probably forgot they even exist i'm ryan i am joshua and while we may not be nearly as forgettable as these films we probably run a close second that's right adequate movies for adequate folk josh what do we got today well today we have uh your all-time favorite movie and i thought because it's your birthday let's let's (laughs) let's let's get into it um I have a vague memory of parts of this movie from when I was a kid. I don't know if I ever sat down and watched it completely through. Yeah. Um, And I was going into this and I got to be honest, I was ready to shit all over this movie. Okay. Um, (laughs) And um, I can't quite do that. It's, it's a pretty decent film. We're talking about 1984's the last starfighter. And I and I will say I I'm gonna need you to so it's funny like as I'm editing these episodes um, I'm I'm just finding parallels between them and I needed you to like temper me on the Conan episode because I was so angry about that movie and I was like Josh you got to bring me back to the middle here man um, same thing with this one but for the opposite reasons yeah th- this is legitimately one of my all time favorite movies it consistently like ranks into my top fives I I, I think this is an unbelievably charming and triumphant film. And I think that if it suffers from anything, it's that it dreamed much bigger than it was able to accomplish. But I, I, I have very few bad things to say about this movie because I adore it so much. So I am heavily biased in this one. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I like. I gave it a a good shake here, and while I still have some uh, meh things to say about it, sure. uh, yeah. I am. Well, I was also corrected on a couple of things. So, okay. as I was uh, going through some some stuff. Okay. Uh, so, start at the beginning. Uh, directed by Nick Castle with mm-hmm. a budget of 15 million. I think most of that was probably spent on the computer. I yeah, it, the the budget I, for this movie is astonishingly low, and I think that is also part of of what it suffers from. I I actually think that for what this movie was trying to accomplish, it needed to be a much bigger budget film, and I agree. Most of it was spent on the computer, and I don't know that that was money well spent. <laughs> it does it does not it definitely does not hold up by today's standards. Like I almost kind of wish somebody would give it the um the Star Trek original series treatment. Okay. Um, when Star Trek original series was like coming out on DVD or Blu-ray, they kind of went in and remastered a bunch of the effects stuff. Okay. So it, oh. they tried to streamline it a little bit. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, I think somebody need to go in and just <laughs> overhaul these effects. Um, because all, and, the, all the space stuff is, is computer generated. It is 100% totally CG stuff, which probably looked kind of cool for the time. And and this was one of the interesting facts about this film is that it was the most extensive use of CGI at that time since uh, Tron. Tron was the only other movie that did more in terms of computer graphic imagery. And, And like one of the things that people remember for Tron for is the visuals. 
but I, I agree at the time people were like, whoa, this is amazing. But when you look back on it, it is basically vector graphics and like a smooth, uh, like, what is it? Um, what do you call the, like the, just like vector graphics and, and, and smooth textures. And it's, it, like you said, it just doesn't hold up. It doesn't even approach holding up. And that's unfortunate because this movie came out after return of the Jedi, which I think return of the Jedi does hold up. Like when I, when I look at those effects, even outside of the remastered one, I think that that movie looks perfectly fine. It's, I think star Wars and like Lucasfilm industrial light magic was definitely uh, light years ahead of uh, the competition. <laughs> they could have used ILM on this movie. Like they, they, they really could have, because uh, again, part of what I think th- this suffers from is just total scope. Um, and I, and I like, we'll get into it when we get there, but like, there's just, it, it seems like there is like a giantness missing to this movie that um, ILM really managed to accomplish. Yeah. Um, th- this is, Okay, so this film is a space opera, and I wanted to talk about that for a second because yeah. uh, it's important to distinguish the difference between what is considered science fiction and what is considered space opera. Yeah, it's very it's very misunderstood. So I, I'm I'm actually excited to have this discussion. Well, it's a very simple discussion. Uh, it is space <laughs> opera. The science doesn't matter. Um. <laughs> it, it's, space opera is much closer to a fantasy set in space. Whereas yes. science fiction, like yeah, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. The science matters. There is like uh, the Martian is technically science fiction. People don't think of it that way because there's no aliens or all that, you know. But it's it, it leans on science in order to tell its story. Whereas in a space opera, you yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so science fiction doesn't have to be set in space. It's just sure. Um, and yeah. in science fiction is about kind of covering very relevant, usually like there's some sort of agenda to your story, um, social, political, environmental, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's just done through a lens of, you know, either futuristic technology or right. space and aliens or something like that. Uh, a space opera <laughs> just takes place in space. Yeah. It just needs to involve space and, you know, aliens. Yeah. Star Wars was a space opera. Star Wars is considered like the space opera it is it Even is the flash gordon was first i was to say i that was the next one that i was going to bring in was flash gordon i mean flash gordon's been doing space opera work since like the 1930s 1940s um and flash gordon inspired star wars flash gordon and buck rogers uh were mm-hmm. like part of the inspiration behind it but yeah it, 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 if if there is like fantastical elements and technologies that are just way beyond our comfort so this is an interesting question then uh what do you put dune in the category of that's a good question um because I've it clearly has heavily it has a political agenda it 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 is about you know like it's about subjugation and it's about the wars, you know, between like the elites and uh, the the people that are just kind of left behind in, in the dust. So there is a political agenda to Dune, but I, I, would, I think you could argue that it's a space opera as well. I would probably classify it as a science fiction more than okay. space opera. Um, but it does, it does tread that line. It strays. Yeah. Anyway. This is, we always do this. We start talking about 
other things other than <laughs> well we in this one we had to all right that's okay got, that's a good point yeah i got some, I got some feedback about the our rundown episode uh where they were like you really kept going off topic i was like i i know we, we called it we, out we, we, knew we did <laughs> thanks for sticking with us yeah uh the but we had to talk about some other things because we have to talk about star wars yeah uh, it's it, this it, movie it heavily informs uh elements of this movie yeah yes and so when i say star wars in this in this episode i am specifically talking about the first film which is episode four uh a new hope retroactively a new hope yeah star wars yep. a new hope those um, they are synonymous so i went in i went into last starfighter uh, basic premise of Last Starfighter: um, This kid in Nowheresville, America, uh, plays this arcade game called Last Starfighter, and he beats the arcade game. Uh, I never see him put any quarters in it. Uh, I I know Is it he's a free game, I, and he it's not because you do see him put change on a desk at some point, and I assume that he's always carrying around a couple of quarters in his pocket so that he can uh, take on Zur and the Kodan Armada. Okay, all right, cool. Um, yeah, I guess those are details that are not important, but I still <laughs> was annoyed by it because I was like, how much money has he spent on this game? Because like probably, we, like still probably way top, too much. You've burned a lot of quarters on arcade games. Well, and the, the, there's a there's a funny inconsistency about it, too, because he's you know part of the subplot of like him going nowhere is that he has applied for like some kind of loan to get into like a, uh, you know, a, a better college than all his friends are going to. And he gets rejected for it. <laughs> um, and I'm like, and part of me is like, well, maybe if you weren't pumping so much money into the last Starfighter, you, you'd have more money saved up. But I, yeah, nickels and dimes, nickels and dimes. <laughs> well, no, it's quarters. The arcade. I, I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question too, though. Do you think he was ever just like going, ah, Alex, what is it? <sighs> Only nickels. <laughs> only <laughs> I have only, only nickels. nickels. Only Mom. nickels this time. This trailer park sucks. <laughs> I only have nickels and dimes. I need to play my game. Okay, so uh so he he beats he beats the last Starfighter. Yeah, he beats the arcade game. That's huge. Yes. And like the the RV park is very proud of him. Yeah, He's kind of so. riding high on that. That's awesome. It's a big accomplishment. It, it matters a lot. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting because you, you have to put that through a certain lens because uh, outside that community, the average person is like, oh, all right, cool. Right. Uh, and I like even his mom, I think, is just like, oh, OK. Yeah. And it's it, it, I, I appreciate I appreciate calling this out because. It, it can seem a little like ridiculous at first, like, OK, so the kid beat a video game. Like, why is the entire Starlight Starbright community celebrating with him? But it's probably a very insular community. They're, they're probably very removed. Like it, it's you have that moment at the beginning where he is mouthing the words of the old men sitting outside the trailer because he knows they're going to say the same shit every night. Same things happen every day in, day out. Like it's it's a very it's a very closed world. And so something like that would have maybe been a big deal is somebody beat the Starfighter game and it's that's never been done before. But I think uh, his mom is all of our moms uh, yeah. growing up oh. in the 80s and 90s. They were like, <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah, that's but I nice Super Mario in 15 minutes. Oh, OK. That, that, that's nice. Honey. Take the trash out. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, and I and I will say that there there are parts in this run up right after he beats um, Starfighter that I I do find very cheesy and on the nose. And it's when he like the one part that I was thinking of is when he and Maggie are sitting on the bench. And uh, he's you know, like you said, he's riding high and he's all excited and she like sighs and she's like, you know, it just occurred to me that you really are going to go places. And I'm like, that that's what sold it for you. The fact that he beat a video game is you're like, oh, yeah, no, this guy's going places. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it speaks to the level of accomplishment that this is considered. That's true. Uh, yeah. It. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, so he beats this arcade game, and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and we learn the arcade game is apparently actually a test for yes. this intergalactic uh, Starfighter Star Star Corps. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and they've been trying to recruit across the galaxy for their Starfighter Legion. Yes. Uh, so a guy comes to town on a weirdly souped up DeLorean. <laughs> it is supposed to be DeLorean adjacent. <laughs> it's, okay. yeah, it's it's not supposed to be a full del- it is delorean adjacement the, the I star car look up, i wanted to know the, the star car yeah <laughs> that's what car. it's called it's the a star, star car it <laughs> and goes to space space <laughs> opera ladies and gentlemen this is a space, space opera, opera. <laughs> um yeah i i forgot to look up because i'm always curious about in different films uh mm-hmm. you have a futuristic car or just a different type of car and you're always like oh what did they use what did they use yeah. to build it yeah, I and I, I looked into this and I, I could not find like what the like what the chassis model was. I think the car itself was a set piece. I think it was a model. I don't think it was actually like built into another car, but the gull wing doors on it were supposed to be like a DeLorean. That is what you were supposed to think of when you see the gull wings. Okay. Um and again, I was gonna be like, oh, that's some derivative shit, except Back to the Future came out in nineteen eighty five. Yep. I was like, oh wow. Last Starfighter got there first. <laughs> well fine which is like oh did they not were they not able to get the delorean because it's a fraction they used all the budget budget. yeah i was gonna say (laughs) and john q delorean i don't remember what his actual name is uh he was just like oh i've already signed a deal with zemeckis uh and spielberg (laughs) Spielberg. so So you guys are kind of shit out of luck you can use the door if you want but i i can't give you the the door i don't care um and yeah and he gets he he goes to space and joins up with this starfighter legion they're like hey we've got this big bad and you guys are gonna go save us and he's like no that's a bit much goes back to earth (laughs) gets a second crack at it um and goes and fights zur Zur, Zur and the Kodan Armada. It's, it's still one of my favorite like little opening scrawls in that video game is greeting Starfighter. You have been recruited by Star League to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. I'm like this. It, it was so perfectly in the moment that even today it feels oddly relevant because retro is such a big thing that that's the kind of shit that you feel like you're hearing in like indie video games these days. And oh, yeah. I, I, I love the idea of defending the frontier against Zor and the Kodan Armada. Fucking bring it on, Zor. I will I, I'm I will take you down. Zor was underwhelming. I'm What? Oh, no, see this is okay. this is where, right. these are going to be some spaces we disagree, but I I love it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so here's so here's a question I have. Okay. Go oh, for well, it. Yeah. actually no, hold on. I'm going to ask a different question first. Yeah. Um, have you noticed 
when you watch, mm-hmm. especially when you watch like films in the eighties, yeah, um, all your teenage actors look like they're about thirty two. Well, and I think um, it, it was a, who's who played Alex Rogan, uh, Lance Guest. Lance, Lance Guest. Thank you. He was like he was twenty five when he did this, and he's supposed to be like seventeen or eighteen. I think um, uh, Maggie uh, Catherine Mary Stewart was uh, even older than he was. I think she was twenty five or twenty six. So yeah, they are every all the guys in the truck look like they're in their mid twenties. You know, like it's the, the yes, the the time dilation is weird. I, but I think it's a it's a reoccurring problem. They still kind of do it today. I'm just like, just cast teenagers, <laughs> cast teenagers. Like, oh no, you have a curfew. Like, just cast them. You you can do this. They did it with freaking Harry Potter. They did. They, yeah. I mean, they started on track, and then you know because movies take so long, you know, they got a little bit older than their roles. But you know, you were filming eight fucking movies, two of which are good. Yeah, I said well, it. And. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have more thoughts on that, but Harry Potter for another day. Um, and even to that point, yeah, kids get older. Last Starfighter was filmed in 40 days. Like, yeah, they, they did. They did not fuck around on this set. Like they they got shit done, <laughs> which I love that. I love how yes. quick you could do this. And I, I also think it, it speaks to the fact that the movie feels tightly wound. It does feel tightly wound. There is a credit to that. This movie goes kind of zips right along it doesn't it doesn't waste time i think the the there's one part for me that just drags forever and it's it's when uh he and greg are getting into the ship um and and greg Greg is like introducing him to it yeah and it's just like hey this is how it works and And i was like this you know there's no music or anything so the scene is very kind of dead interesting Uh, yeah i hadn't thought about that it it is i mean on on reflection that it is a little flat in that sequence and I, I, I think most of what they're trying to like get get the audience to the point, the same point that they're trying to get Alex to, which is the inside of the Starfighter is exactly like the video game. He just needs to realize that in 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 order to understand that he can fly it. Yeah. So, but otherwise, yeah this this movie kind of goes right along, and you're like, it does cool. Um, all right, here's the here's the thing I was going to get into here. Okay. Um, this movie I feel like is very heavily derivative of the plot of star Wars. Um, it is the, there's this kid who wants to go places. He's in the middle of nowhere. He's stuck and he gets the call to adventure from a strange old man. Um, he's initially resistant to it, um, but then realizes bad guys are going to come for him one way or the other. So he better go do it. And he ends up being the last hope and, uh, destroys, uh, the big enemy force. Uh, there is even a moment where an arm gets cut off, where the old man shoots <laughs> off an alien arm. The Xander the, the That's right. Okay. But hang on. Star Wars did not start the amputations until uh, no, Empire no. Strikes Back. No, no. Oh, oh no, no. Shit. That's Kenobi slices yeah, off. Right. I just, it just Ponda Baba. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I forgot. Oh, wow. I just had a, a, a complete flat line of the mind for that. All right. You're right. Um, okay. So here, here's, here's going to be my pushback. Cause I, I got to defend, uh, I got to defend the last starfighter. Well, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying that I wasn't sitting there going, wow, this is a lot like star Wars. Um, but star Wars in and of itself is quite derivative. Like it's it's not especially original. It pulls a lot of ideas together in a, in an original way, in a way that had never been done before. 
but I think that even Star Wars, uh, a, as it as it existed, was not especially original. You're right, uh, because I and I did put this note down to be like let's let's be a little fair uh, because <laughs> Star Wars in itself um, is the hero's journey, right? Which is a very standard story formula, exactly. And and I I think that. Uh, I mean, even down to like, you know, one of the things they talk about is in the hero's journey, they at one point they put on armor and like that's, uh, you know, likened to like when they they do the stormtrooper disguise. I think you could arguably make the same case when Alex finally dons his starfighter uniform and and puts on, you know, the helmet. It's there are there are parallels throughout. So I I I am not going to disagree with you that this movie is heavily derivative of Star Wars, like right down to him being in a backwater insular community where he is a laborer essentially you know just doing day-to-day grind stuff and cannot get out even though it seems like all his friends are going places um he has, and when, he has big dreams he has he big dreams and he's stuck and he's exactly he's he's trapped there so yes it's the the similarities are are absolutely there i just also again the more that i think about star wars the more i'm like it's not especially original either but to your point Absolutely. Last Starfighter draws on it heavy. His friends go to Silver Lake and they're like, hey, come on. And he can't because he has to help uh, old lady with something. But he wanted to go to Tashi Station to uh, pick up some power converters. Same fucking thing. Same fucking thing. Different soundtrack. Same thing. Uh, a A note on the soundtrack. I adore the theme of this movie. I think it it, it so it uh, I, I broke this down with a buddy of mine. Um, this is probably like 12 years ago now, back when I was still in the music scene. I brought this up with a, a friend of mine, Aaron, who is a, a producer and, um, and he writes uh, he composes. He, he actually creates compositions. And I was like, why does this soundtrack sound so triumphant? And we got into the mechanics of it. It's actually uh, it's very close to the Olympics theme and the way that it plays with its pitch changes is it echoes those kind of like triumphant jumps that the Olympics sound, you know, the, the Olympics yeah. theme does. And so I was like, uh, that's why this, this, this is mechanically designed to tug at your heartstrings, but I fucking love it. Yeah, no, it's um, the, the soundtrack was great. This, this whole film has a really good vibe yeah. to it. It's very, um, it's, it, it's, it's upbeat. It's, it is it's kind of an upbeat film um, yes. where, and they could have gone, a really different direction with the tone, but it's, it's very optimistic. Yeah. Uh, uh, which yep. is almost kind of funny considering the stakes, because when Alex <laughs> goes back home, uh, the entire starfighter Legion gets wiped out completely obliterated. Uh, so he is the only one left. Hence the, the only last. shot, which is really, uh, also funny because apparently Centauri was not supposed to bring an arcade to Earth. <laughs> I mean, he shows up and he's like, oh, this is a mistake. This was supposed to go to Vegas. Vegas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, uh, no, actually, it was not supposed to go to Earth at all. Yep. Earth is not a part of any of this. Like, I, I love Green's line where he's like, Earth isn't due to be approached for like decades or something. This is all highly irregular. Uh, and again, that's another moment that really kind of parallels Luke's journey because he goes in to like, you know, the briefing and, yeah. <laughs> you know, he goes in the briefing and he's just from nowhere. 
He's right. just people are just like, where is this guy from? Earth, uh, what the hell? And it's town? <laughs> <laughs> so I the the briefing when he when he first arrives at Starfighter Command, I, I do want to touch on because <laughs> um this is one of those sections that I'm like, <laughs> is this lack of scale or am I missing something here? Do we think that Alex and the other starfighters that are there are um, just the newest recruits and they're just they're going through basically like orientation? Or do you think that's all the fucking starfighters? Because that doesn't seem like enough. It just for, considering that there is an armada that they have to take on. It doesn't seem like enough <laughs> from a production side. I would argue it was probably a, a scale issue. That's exactly ex- that's uh, exactly my problem with the scene. Yeah. S- Storyline wise, I. I assume this was kind of an afterthought because they have their, they have their frontier shield. It's an energy shield. Is that what it is? Yeah. So the, the, the plot of this movie, like the, the actual like conflict is actually, it's sort of clever, but it, they never really fully explain it. And it's, it's left up to you to kind of figure out. Yeah. So star league is like a group of planetary systems that are all protected by this one giant shield called, the frontier and outside of that are these like, you know, more authoritarian or fascist kind of regimes that, that exist among other planets. And that's, uh, the Kodan, um, and, uh, the Kodan are trying to breach the frontier so that they can take over you know, the democratic star league essentially. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an energy shield that, that keeps everything outside of star league out of it. Um, and, uh, the the Kodan Armada are trying to break through. Their motivations are never really sufficiently explained. It's true. Uh, nor is Zur's really. <laughs> yeah, he is just kind of mincing an evil. I mean, it's he is the son of the like chancellor, or the the head of all Star League. He is no the, son of his. I, <laughs> you are no <laughs> son of mine. <laughs> Um, but yeah, was he but, just like, was he butt hurt because he wasn't like daddy didn't love him enough? I I, th- I think that's what we're, we're meant to believe is that he was like perhaps overly ambitious, um, wanted, you know, more power than was being afforded to him. And so rather than like waiting his turn and trying to develop, you know, wisdom and character, he was like, fuck it, I'll go join the Kodan and uh, and I'll bring your entire house down. I think that is the idea of, of what Zur's motivations are. Because it's clear that the Kodan are only using him as a patsy. Yes, which I actually love the Kodan for that. I think that um, I, I think the the subplot that is the Kodan are utilizing Zur just you know for their own gains, but they're they're not really they don't they have, they clearly have zero respect for him. I, I think is actually rather subtle and nuanced because Zur is just sort of this uh, like mincing and and like over the top loud villain character. And the Kodan are much. Uh, I've been I've been reading Sun Tzu lately, and they are much more like Sun Tzu in their approach. They are they're devastating and evil, but they are far more measured and intelligent than uh, than is maybe let on, or than that Zor believes. Yeah, you just you, um, because of the the tight runtime of this film, you don't get a sense, you don't get a depth to that because uh, I guess it's not really important. This uh, is one of the few movies that I think could have stood to have been longer 
actually. Mm -hmm. I think that you could have done more development with Zor. I think you could have done more development with Alex and Maggie. Um, there, there were opportunities that this movie, I think, should have had a more extended runtime, but it was made for $15 million in 40 days. So there's only so much that you can do with that. But And I think it would have affected the tone. Agreed. Uh, no, that's, that's an again, excellent, excellent point. Upbeat. Yes, that's an excellent point. Yeah, it, so, it absolutely would have. Yeah, they're they're very your bad guys are very one dimensional and um same with your good guys. Like yeah. everybody's fairly <laughs> one dimensional. Alex is nuanced. Uh Grieg is slightly nuanced. I adore Grieg. Everything Grieg out of funny. his mouth. He's he's great. And their interactions are hilarious. My favorite line in this entire goddamn movie is when he's like teaching him how to shoot and Alex like takes off his gloves so that he can feel the control better and he's like, Great. I'm about to get killed a million miles from nowhere with a gung-ho iguana that tells me to relax. <laughs> and, and Greg finds it funny. He, Greg loves all of it. He, Greg yeah. is just, he's just so excited to be a part of things. <laughs> he was a character I wish there had been more development on. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because it was awesome. Um, the Okay, so the frontier is like some sort of energy shield. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say uh, space isn't linear. Yeah, that opera. Opera. <laughs> hang on hang on this movie does get some credit for its use of three dimension in space battles like it, it, you have to admit when we look at star wars they they forced linear space battles where you just chase behind you know your mm -hmm. your query last starfighter brief though the the space battles may be does do a pretty good job of utilizing the three dimensions like the starfighter is designed to fight in three dimensions and I, I think that that's actually pretty well actualized. I don't disagree. The idea of an energy field in uh, nonlinear space begs questions. <laughs> yeah, it just could have been like explain it a little better. Be like, oh, well, this part of the grid is where is the weakest. So we have to come yeah. from this point or something. Just give me like a throwaway line of dialogue Sorry. to <laughs> use it. Because I'm fair. just like, you just see this line of things. And I'm like, well, just go around it. Just go, go down. <laughs> just keep flying. <laughs> um, That's always the problem with with shit that happens. In, I mean, it's called out in Star Trek Two. The reason that, you know, uh, Kirk is able to defeat Khan is because Khan never learned to think three dimensionally because he never he didn't grow up in space. He grew up in a, you know, uh, in a, a like a, a planetary world. And so he only mm. knows two dimensional combat. Most of the time, we don't treat space battles the way that they I, if, I think the way is, it's been handled best in Battlestar Galactica. The reason I was just going to call that out. I was going to ask yes. if you had seen that new series because they do cool shit in their they space do. battles. That is handled exquisitely, in my opinion. Yeah, very, very well done. Yeah, it, it looks pretty cool. Get fucked, Top yeah. Gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hating on all the cool franchises today. Oh, man. <laughs> 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 uh, one of my uncles once referred to Top Gun as the recruitment tool of the last Starfighter generation. And I was like, you know what? I hate it, but you're right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. You're like, oh, I could do this. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you could something real. <laughs> um, I. So we were talking about the three dimensional. Uh fighting and everything that's uh kind of neat uh, that being said um i think the big climax is super fucking weak 
uh, Death Blossom was, I guess, looked cool to do, to pull off, like, in the computer at the time, but I just thought it was stupid. To me, it should have been more of, like, an Iron Man, like, flare-out, like, burst, you know? Yeah, okay. So, <clears throat> Death Blossom, from from what my interpretation and understanding of it is, is it basically, like target locks everything within a sphere of space which again good use of nonlinear and then completely empties the it like entire uh the entire onboard load of of weaponry um you know completely depletes the energy weapons uh, until they can recharge uh unloads all the missiles like the the whole battery is just fired off at once it's it's supposed to be a desperation move I thought it was kind of interesting. I, if if it suffers from anything, it's the fact that the computer just probably could not create something cool enough to be gratifying for <laughs> for that. Maybe space. I just I I don't know. I just felt like like the the you know you'd feel like you're out on that carnival ride that just like does like spins you all around. In every yes, the, direction. The, yeah, I think it's called um, like the Turbant in some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I to me, I think just like a like a flare would have accomplished the same thing but looked kind of cool yeah it made more sense to me um it would accomplish <laughs> the same thing because you're like yeah you're like draining all power right yeah exactly because one massive burst it it leaves him very vulnerable for a moment but i think that the you know that was also part of the reason that this starfighter could apparently take more than one hit, which is something that I guess the other starfighter suffered from. Is mm-hmm. this starfighter has better armor, which allows it to sit there and take a you know a slight beating after it's executed Death Blossom, which is cool. Yeah, and it's slightly uh, they, sci-fi, but barely, but <laughs> like right on the edge of it. <laughs> um, I had a I had a question. There's a, there's a, a throwaway line of dialogue in here that I was like, what is that? Um. Is there is there like a King Arthur influence in this story as well? Because he says, "Oh, is this your Excalibur test?" I, I like, want to get completely different. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, knowing that that you appreciate Arthurian legend as much as you do. The yeah the the arcade is supposed to be a quote unquote Excalibur test, uh, in that it it finds the one true based on who can beat it. And so I, I, I was curious about your your thoughts and opinions there. Well, I think because that's that's the only thing that really connects to yeah. Arthurian lore for me is like, oh yeah, you have this kid who who beats the game. Mm-hmm. He pulls the sword from yep. the stone. Um, you know, the, the sword is a logo uh, and is part it, of the it logo. Is. Of yes, Star, it is right? part so, of the lo- which is probably uh, very intentional. Yeah. And I guess with the the ending of the movie where he decides he's going to stay and, and train lead Star a new, Yeah. Uh yeah, a new a new generation. I was like, I guess I can kind of see that. And Centauri comes back from the dead, uh, or another dimension, whatever. Um, and he's like, Okay, he's kind of a Merlin. I mean, he definitely pulls a fucking Gandalf. Yeah, uh, he does. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a good thing going for you. Keep smiling. Number three, always listen to Centauri. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's such like a he's such a salesman. Well, he, he, he one of his best known uh, roles was as the Music Man. 
Yeah. And so like he's, you know, yeah, he, he plays that role astonishingly well. He's, he's perfect. Uh, the, uh, God, there was a moment there where he's like talking to him and the hat is wiggling. I thought it was like really kind of funny. (laughs) I don't know why, but all right, that's fun. Um, but yeah, the eighties must've been a more trusting time because the stranger comes up in a weird ass looking car. He's like, Hey, you beat this game that I would have no way of knowing that you did, uh, get in the car. I made the game totally. Uh, and Alex is like, all right, I step into my office and, and yeah. And Alex gets in the star car. Yes. And then he's like, I've got a little proposition for (laughs) you. Immediately. You grab the door handle, tuck and roll. You're out. No, I'll tell you the point that I would have tucked and rolled and been out. Never mind the fact that the car was going in excess 300 miles an hour at this point is when he he goes, he's like, are you the kind of guy who likes to go down before Christmas and take a peek at the presents? No, that's why I'm not going to tell you. And like gets all weird and sing songy about it. I've been like, I am. I'm the fuck out of here. No, this weird old man is <laughs> like, I always peek at my presents, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I just love surprises. <laughs> um, okay, so maybe a little bit of uh, Arthurian, a little bit, yeah. Uh, lore it's, it's was suggested here. Yeah, it's um, suggested. Let's talk about beta for a second. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say. That way, we can have like an honest discussion afterwards. I think the idea of the beta unit is super fascinating. I think it it really helps fill what would be a large plot hole. As a child, I found the unformed beta unit fucking terrifying, and it haunts my nightmares to this day. But I love every little quirky moment, like when he hears the moth and really loud and realizes that his ears are fucked up, um, like and takes his own head. I love beta unit so. Uh, Let's let, okay. You know, go, go I thought it. that was a really cool concept. I liked the yeah. idea where you're like, um, oh yeah, as people disappear and you don't want people to know about this, uh, we you, have to replace them. You create a substitute that's obviously not going to be a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and like, he's, and he's it's really, be a little weird. He's really screwed up. Yeah. Um, but he's really funny, and I really like mm-hmm. his interactions with Lewis, the younger brother. Oh my God. Uh, who, that was a kid who did not get enough screen time like that. I wish he had more development uh, invo- or involvement because he was great. He hits his lines like when he's flipping through the, the Playboys and opens the one up and he's like, Yolanda, baby. <laughs> he's just like, where the hell is June? Where the hell is June? Yeah. <laughs> or like, you're like eight. <laughs> and when he peeks through the, the bars of his bunk bed after the beta unit has taken its head off. And he's like, what the shit? (laughs) And I I love the dryness of the beta unit. He's like, you're having a nightmare, Lewis. Now go back to sleep. (laughs) You're having a terrible nightmare. Go back to sleep. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Because the beta unit has removed its head. Um, Which also, this was a great moment. I'm like, was this scripted or did uh, Lance come up with the moment on his own? Because it's very funny is here's like the the zodan ship or whatever yeah the sandozan ship 
turns his head and pinches the head to, that's still detached. Detached. He turns his head to pinch the bridge of his nose in exasperation. Yes. I, <laughs> yeah. When he, it's, it's so hard because like I can, I can see you do it. I can see, but it, you know, imagine you, yeah, you've reached a point of exasperation where you grab the front of your nose and just shake your head. He does this with his head off at one point. And <laughs> so he has to turn his own head. So clever. <laughs> and he takes his hand to turn his head. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that is. And, and that's the thing. That character is, I think, I really think they, they handle him incredibly clever. Like when he's eavesdropping on the other couple making out, trying to figure out what to say to Maggie. And then, but not knowing like social context or cues goes to, you know, the other girls meant nothing to me. It was you. And she's like, oh, she's other so girls. <laughs> Which she's probably also fucking confused because she knows what he does all day. So she's like, wh- what girls? What, what, exactly. Where, where, where? where in this trailer park? <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he he's clearly comic relief and to break up, uh, to, to give you some, some, um, breaks between the main plot. Yes. Um, so you could argue like he's not necessary, uh, but he's very good and help. It, it it adds to the overall tone of the movie. Yeah, and I and I guess he tested really well with test audiences, and they actually added more sequences with him. Oh, okay. Was oh, I can uh, see that the idea of the beta unit? People thought it was was really fascinating. I will say this: I um, I I. I and I'm not sure if we were supposed to as an audience. I don't feel especially moved when beta explodes. Like I, I, I didn't feel like a loss uh, in that moment. And I, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's because that version of Alex just is not on screen long enough. Or if I really am like, I, I know he's just a robot. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not supposed to be attached to this. Um, but I, his, his big triumphant moment I think is one of the moments in the, one of the few moments in the movie that for me lands a little flat. It's, um, yeah, it, it doesn't, I don't have an emotional connection to him either. It's okay. Um, it's fine. Um, and I don't know if he was supposed to not like, you know, not like Creedy and reign of fire where yep. we're supposed to like care about him when he dies. Yeah, um, exactly. He, he's like, okay, he's, a robot. I think it would have been a little more honestly, I think it would have been a little more fucked up if uh Maggie had bonded with Beta well, Alex. It it seems like she kind of has because when he when he explodes the Zandozan ship, she like cries out for him. Yeah, it was weak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was weak. Also, what was weak is um is the finale. I mean, he takes them out way too easily, man. Even the, the Zur gets, we don't know what happens to Zur. So like Zur could still be out there. Zur um, is still out there. I think that's the, uh, he's, he, well, no, no, no. If, if Zur was on board the, uh, the command ship and it gets, well, he, he escapes in an escape pod. Oh shit. That's right. Yeah. No, so, never, that's, 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 that's right. Duh. You never have the, the star Wars moment of seeing Vader's spinning off, spinning in off into space. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you're, you're led to assume, Oh, he still escaped. Um, yep. but uh, he's also a brat. So is he really going to be any sort of problem? Well, and the, the sequel that had been talked about for quite some time focused on the children of Alex and Maggie after Zor murders Alex. Like that was the, the, the sequel that was That's set up at dark. Isn't that dark? That's super dark. 
Yeah, it's it's that Zor comes back. He comes looking for the last starfighter and kills him, and then it's it becomes a revenge tale. Which is, I was like, that's it's not in keeping with uh, what the original film was. I I would have liked to have seen that movie. I think that's an interesting. Could they've pulled that turn off? But yeah, it's it it is. It's it's a heavy idea. That doesn't fit tonally at all. It doesn't. But but I mean, you could uh, again to to draw back to Star Wars. Star Wars is a or a new hope is a, is a very triumphant movie i would argue the empire strikes back is a that's a downer like that's a that's a heavy True. film True. so that fair it, fair play um the what was the other thing i wanted to say about this oh maggie's like quick turnaround at the end uh that bugged yeah. me a little bit hard so, to no, yeah i'm not gonna go to i'm not gonna go Oh, wait, the elevator's going. No, I'll go. I'll go, yeah. <laughs> hold the elevator. <laughs> hold hold the elevator, please. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it, I, I do love Grig being introduced to everyone. I think that is that is objectively that so fun. a hilarious scene. Yeah, <laughs> it's just wonderful. But Grig, this is like, this is one of those moments where you see him being a little bit more like on the he's like we, we we've got to go and he even makes a comment we can't hold off their radar any longer so they're clearly like cloaked in some way that was a good a nod very fine window yep that they can work with i, I liked that line yeah, people are gonna be like oh they're not gonna know it's a spaceship landed. exactly yes uh, that, that was that was a good little line of dialogue to throw in there see that's yep. what i'm talking about give me like just little throwaway lines of dialogue that are little just lines like, like oh that. this explains yada 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 um granny with a shotgun Oh God! <laughs> there is something so funny to me about a little sweet old lady with a shotgun. Um, it's it's just it, she's she's got that thing for so long before she finally lowers it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she and and he even tells her he's like he's like Granny, put that shotgun away. <laughs> like shocked that she would bring it out, and <laughs> she's not screwing around. These she's are dark not. times, the eighties. The, I know exactly. Starfighters coming down from space out of nowhere, and <laughs> uh, so I talked about. So this budget had it had a budget of fifteen million. It made twenty nine yeah. million in North America. So you know, I guess it did all right. Yeah, I mean um, that's all, that's right on the edge of being considered a financial success. Yeah, and it, the movie's got a cult following, so I guess it. Yeah, it's done well enough. I think it overall it can stand the test of time. Um, I mean, not the, not the effects, the effects are terrible. Um, what, and, and the, I think if anything takes away from this movie, it, it, or, or again, it just reduces its, its sense of like weight and scope. It's, it's the effects like the, the command ship crashing into the moon is, which is set up with one of, one of my favorite lines of a villain about to die dialogue ever when, they're in the the you know the the room in the command ship and uh like a second officer says he's like we're trapped in the moon's gravitational pull she won't respond what do we do and the the main commander goes we die and then we pull out and it explodes on the surface of the moon but i was like the scale, the scale i did not believe so wrong so off right exactly it's like i did not for a second believe that that's how big the command ship actually was like that is that looks terrible no it's and that is 
It, it could have been. <laughs> it could have been like Sharon or something like that. I don't know, but it's it, it is it's the effects are the thing that hold it back from being like yes, it stands up today. Agreed. The uh, redo those effects and like for four K Blu Ray. Is it on four K? <laughs> uh, ooh, it's got to be at know. this point. Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. Um, they'll be like, we polished up the effects. No, re- redo it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> redo it. If they decide to make like another one, uh, completely overhaul the effects. Some people are mad about that because they're kind of purists, and yeah, that's fine. You still have that option out there. Um, but no, like, I really wish they had been like models. Yeah, and and just you know with the computer overlay for certain things, um, I think I would have felt more connected to it. It's kind of weird, like how as an audience you're more connected to practical effects than CGI. Um, well, even if that, the effect is bad, like you're like this alien is obviously somebody in a rubber suit, but a CG alien you would not have. You know what though? I I would argue that the the, the practical effects in this movie do way overshadow. The computer ones, because like the Zandozans, yeah. they like they're creepy as hell and they're really weird and like they are believable on screen. And, you know, it, all the other aliens and, and alien races like there again, there's, there's a weight to practical effects. Like there's a, a gravity to it that you can tell that there is really something there. And I yeah, it's that is this movie has cool moments where it has a weight to it but then you get into this weird computer shit and it's so let's talk about legacy yeah um because again the last starfighter has embedded itself in the zeitgeist of it has um of sci-fi nerds um and again remember i was going into this arguing that was very derivative uh and then being surprised and so here's why uh, it is derivative of Star Wars, which in itself, <laughs> which in itself okay. is the hero's journey, and we've established that and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's got the fancy gullwing door car that I, I remember I said earlier. I was like, they ripped off the DeLorean, except Back to the Future came a year later. Yeah. Uh, so I can't blame him for that. Um, I was also annoyed because I was like, this is Ender's Game uh, from Orson Scott Card. Oh. This is Ender's Game, except uh, Ender's Game came out in 85 as well. Okay, not not the film. Um, I'm trying to decide how many parallels I see between like Ender's Game. Ender's Game, I I, I would put more in a league of Starship Troopers than I would um, uh, the Last Starfighter. If I I, got to think about that, that's 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 interesting. Okay, Um, but yeah, you have in Ender's Game, you have the premise of. He plays this game. He plays it. Yeah. Okay. And All right. So he goes to I, battle school. And I, yeah. I was thinking of it on a much more macro scale, like the, the kind of threat and the kind of like political overtones of the books, but you're right. The game that he plays that leads him to become. Yes. Okay. No, yeah. you're, that's, that's it. You're right. Um, yep. Absolutely. We also have, um, shoot. What else was it? Um, Ernest C. Klein. Uh, Ernest Klein, he wrote Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, which, I mean, if you read any of his stuff, you're like, oh, he's heavily, heavily, heavily by the 80s. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course. But he wrote Ready Player One, which also takes place in a trailer park. Um, yeah. And this 
kid that's obsessed with a game. Um, he also wrote a book called Armada, which is almost it's almost plagiarism of Last Starfighter, to be honest. <laughs> um, but it's, it's this kid who, like, his dad has long since, you know, disappeared, and he plays right. uh, an arcade game called Armada. Okay. That he ends up beating, and he finds out, oh, Armada is has is a recruitment tool. Interesting. Uh, yeah. For that's... A space, arm, a space armada that they need to defend against. And, um, oh, surprise, his dad's up there. That's where his dad's been for years um wouldn't, wouldn't happen to be the codan armada would it i don't remember would it i don't i don't, I don't remember um also uh this is slightly left field um buzz lightyear buzz lightyear uh he is and especially if the, the this new film Lightyear, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, uh, okay, he is the last uh, surviving member of Star Command in Lightyear. And in Lightyear, have you seen Lightyear? I or haven't was, yet. No. All right. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about Lightyear real quick. And if you've not seen it yet, um, you know, plug your ears or something, or skip ahead. I don't know how many minutes. Well, I'll tell you. Later. I, well, I'll try and uh, put timestamps. <laughs> um, okay, so. The story of Lightyear is they um, they get stranded on a planet because their their hyperdrive has busted, and so okay. they need to use the resources on the planet to build a new one. Okay, and he um, he's the one that goes and tests the the hyperspace engine, but the uh, problem is the flight is only four and a half minutes for him, but he's gone for four year intervals on the planet because of oh, time wow. Um, interesting so doing all these tests um he loses everybody they just age out and move and pass on to the point where the conflict then becomes about um when he does get a working hyperdrive is like should they continue to go home because they're a whole new generation they're like two generations wow for this point and what they end up just uh doing instead is just he is um he decides He's like, yeah, I will stay with these people and um, reform the Star Command. Wow. You know, okay. He's the last. He's the last uh, of the original Star Commanders. Um, so he forms a whole new Star Command, and they go on these exploratory missions. Do you remember Buzz Lightyear's nemesis in Toy Story? I mean, they, you. It's introduced in Toy Story, but yeah, it's. Uh, is it the Evil Emperor Zerg? It's Evil Emperor Zerg. Zerg with a G. Zerg, yes, and and they spell it Z E R G as opposed to X U R, but yes. even still, that's, that's fucking close enough. That's fucking close enough. Yeah, yeah. So the, he had um, Disney made a like a little cartoon series um, in the early two thousands, maybe late nineties. I don't remember the time frame, but they had a Buzz Lightyear and Star Command like animated series. Where it was like all about their like adventures and exploration, but I was like, this is heavily informed by yeah. Last Starfighter. Yeah, absolutely, it is. That's I I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. God, yeah, and and that's that's the the thing about this movie is it is it's a weird little like earworm in like the mind of society. There there is something about this film that. Is like I said, it's. I think it's incredibly charming and triumphant, and yet it just it it, it inspires, informs. It it, it is uh, movies are adjacent to it all over the place, 
And yet it, it does not feel like it gets quite the recognition that that it deserves. Yeah, it's it kind of flew under my radar for a while. Right. And and, and maybe that's because, I mean, a number of the movies that I've suggested for like seasons two and three fall into the camp of space operas, fantasies, and, and a lot of them come out of the 80s. The 80s like really hucked out a lot of very mediocre like space operas and sci-fi and and fantasy movies like there's there's a lot of just like bunk from the 80s and i wonder if part of the reason that people forget about the last starfighter is because it ends up lumped into that category is it just you gets know lost in the it just gets lost in the, in the shuffle yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so it's uh, because i that was another thing I, I looked at the cast list and i was like i don't recognize anybody right uh apparently will wheaton is in it but for like five he's, minutes he's background yeah exactly <laughs> just popping in and out um uh robert preston who played centauri is somebody of like legitimate pedigree um lance guest had a little bit he, i mean he was in like some horror movies in the early 80s uh and um Catherine mary stewart uh she did she had a couple of like a, a couple of bits here and there no other than centauri nobody in this movie is is especially well known um unless you count will wheaton and and, and this his, was preston's last role right yes it was he he yeah. passed away in like in 87 this was the very last thing that he ever filmed that's a way to be a downer <laughs> i know <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i mean talk well it, the lessons of the movie did he did he really die or is he fighting evil in another dimension fighting <laughs> what a what a concept like you don't go to an eternal rest no it's It's like (laughs) no you fight evil in another dimension in another dimension death is is a primitive concept (laughs) (laughs) Um, well what do you think um would you prequel sequel reboot this 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 is very hard um i uh, Again, I'm going to make a bunch of arguments and then I'm going to narrow it down. One, I think a prequel series about the Starfighters would be really cool. Um, so, like, let's actually see Starfighter core. One of the things that they talk about is how everybody wants to be a Starfighter in the galaxy, that only a very like few handful can do it. So let's see what that's all about. How good are these guys really? I think that'd be an interesting uh, uh, tale to chase. Um as far as a sequel goes, again, the sequels, there were sequels in talk. I, I honestly, that's one that I'll nix. I don't see a need for a sequel. Um, I, I think that this storyline should almost just be let be. Um, the fact that Zor is, you know, theoretically still out there. I don't know that I need uh, additional resolution on that. Um, I like the way that this movie leaves off and I would be very scared to see that uh, reapproached. This is exactly the kind of movie that I think should get a reboot. Because if they stay true to form with it and just manage to expand some of the scope and scale that is missing, I think this movie would make for a truly phenomenal reboot candidate because it's it's largely forgotten about. Uh, and so, you know, the the masses don't 
Like, it, 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 like we were talking about with the Spider-Man movies, like we're rebooting fucking Spider-Man every three years. Give us some time to forget that Spider-Man existed and then bring him back. That was one thing that I think if um, like Batman Begins did especially well is that it came many years after Batman and Robin. And we had a chance to just kind of like let Batman rest for a minute. In the case of The Last Starfighter, it is forgettable enough that there is a there's a serious opportunity, I think, with this movie to reboot it. It would have to be done with a delicate touch because you need to preserve that triumph, that charm. You need to preserve that upbeat idea. But I think that if they expand some of the scope and scale, there's a real opportunity with this movie. I am. I I like the idea of a, of a reboot, like redoing it um, based on that argument that you've, you've made. Um, I'm worried though that if they rebooted it, they would change the tone of it completely because we're a much more dystopian leaning society. Um, so it would probably be a much grimmer story. Sure. And I, I, I can see would that. not have that upbeat hopefulness to it. Um, I, I'm so happy we're diverging a little bit. We are. Um, yeah. I, I would say make another, okay. um, make another continue that story and there's been so much time so you have a whole new cast and you can have uh granddaddy alex as like <laughs> an admiral or oh, whatever yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah, he's sure. out of touch uh, or you know maybe he's retired from it all and is just not about this life anymore um you can have zur because we don't know how long those aliens live. Uh, it could still be him or a descendant of his or like a cult <laughs> that is like carried on. Um, and it takes time in reality in like more science fiction based things. Uh, <laughs> these things take time. Your revenge plans involving space take time. They take build. time. Yes. Okay? <laughs> uh, even in star Wars, um, it apparently took like 20, 30 years to build the death star. Um, it the only took like three years. Yeah, it took. They, they really streamlined it for the second. Death they really, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, good on them. Good on yeah, them. Right. They, they, they got that. They got that process down. Yeah. I'd uh, like to see the financials on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no kid. Well, I mean, and there, there's even the comment like, you know, I, I need more men. It's clearly it was a budgetary issue was the only thing that was holding back, you know, the production of the second death star. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> um, so, but you know, this much time removed, uh, you could see everything rebuilt. Um, yeah. I mean, you could see a thing where like maybe Alex is missing and they recruit Lewis or Lewis's kids. Maybe by this point be like, you know, Oh, the Starfighter's in your blood, boy. You <laughs> you beat it on your PS5. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm like looking at the uh the cast right now, uh just to see who's who's still sparking around. First of all, I didn't realize this. Uh Grig was played by Dan O'Hirlihy, who just passed away just in, in 2005. He was uh in the Robocop movies uh quite a bit. Oh. Yeah, okay. he was the. I think he was the CEO of uh, uh, of uh, the whatever corrupt company. Um, so it, it, Grig has passed on. Centauri has passed on. 
Norman Snow, who played Zur, uh, relatively young, born in 1950. And so he he could actually come back as Zor for a sequel. Lance Guest, still alive, he could come back. Uh, Catherine Mary Stewart could absolutely come back. Uh, and uh, let's see, Chris Haber played Lewis. He is he's definitely still alive. And uh, and yeah, so I mean, you, you actually could pull in the original cast to uh, to do an effective sequel. That could be interesting. Passing of the Torch kind of sequel, but yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, because I, uh, you know, we talked about Tron earlier. And yeah, um, I kind of like Tron Legacy. Ooh. Um, okay. I think it's I think it's all right. I uh, it was definitely a franchise. I would be like, you don't you didn't need to revisit. But yeah, I thought I thought it was fine. I might have fallen asleep in the theater for Tron Legacy. <laughs> There's some sleepy moments. I should probably go back and revisit uh, it. I should I should give it a second chance. Um, maybe we'll discuss that. Uh, maybe we will. Yeah. <laughs> at some point. Who knows? Um, but there you go. The last Starfighter. Take a look at it. Uh, you know, with a serious mind, because those computer graphics are yeah super bad. Yeah, be be easy on it from the standpoint of like the, the physical effects, but just try to enjoy the movie. Cause I, I, um, I, I cannot say enough good things about this film. Like I, I adore this movie and I, I think the, the ending, like I said, it's just, it's super triumphant and it's it, for whatever reason, this is the kind of movie that we are not making anymore is a, is one that is short, tightly wound and has a sense of triumph throughout. And uh, yeah, I, I love it. I think that part's very important. Like that sense of triumph is that's yes. Just, it's not where we are socially anymore. Agree. Um, and we could probably, we could probably use a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. Could absolutely. So thanks for listening guys. Uh, that's, that's last starfighter. We are coming toward the end of this season. Yeah. Uh, got a, we've exciting. got some winners left though. We have some, we have some good stuff coming up. <laughs> we do objectively objectively they are winners uh it's <laughs> proven by science as proven uh, by science yes <laughs> uh, thanks for listening people uh you can at me um at rigdon's rant on twitter and you can at me at cipriani underscore ryan is that uh, Twitter or Instagram or that's Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm on Instagram at Krog, the battle prince. I'm on TikTok at the grim scald. Um, so I, I have multi-platform oh, dude, the book talk, man, it's powerful. Like I'm, I'm trying to get the word out there about Krog. I, I want, I, I you know, I, I want to inspire other writers. I want to inspire other readers. So yeah, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, guys, I'm he, he's got a book series. He's, he's written. Some stuff. <laughs> um, we we talk about that in uh, our Conan episode a little bit, but uh, we do, yeah. Which we'll actually, go ahead. you and I had some really cool discussion after we cut recording at Conan about how Krog the Battle Prince is like a critical response to Conan the Barbarian and uh, and and kind of pushes back against some of its tropes. Um, but yeah, we we do bring it up. <laughs> so yeah, this guy legit writes stuff. Uh, I just consume stuff. Uh, I dabble, uh, it, but I I struggle to write. A, co- a complete coherent narrative. I, I I'm going to disagree because your script is excellent. But oh well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. Give us the feedback. We yeah, we're 
we, we are we are here for it. Good, bad, uh, you know, positive, negative, whatever your feedback is, we we want to hear it. Um, Even your, if you are a troll, I will it, read your comment. It feeds my battle wrath and will help me onward to Valhalla. So uh, I, I appreciate it um, all the same. Yeah. Holy shit. What an epiphany. What's I mean, that? That's basically what Valhalla is, right? You're just going <laughs> to another dimension waiting You're to right. battle evil. See? There, death is a concept. I prefer to think of them as battling evil in another dimension. Grig, Grig knows what's up, man. Grig knows what's up. Nothing's original. (laughs) Like I said, this film's so fucking derivative. I don't know.